You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. I want to continue on our uh, teaching this morning on encouragement. All of us have the ministry of encouragement. Say this, I have have the ministry ministry of encouragement. And that means uh, that there's some, you probably know a few, that also have the ministry of discouragement. How many of you have met some of those folks before? Just, just, uh, how many of you that makes you extra glad for caller ID? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but we're learning that everybody needs encouragement. You do, I do, everyone does. People that you don't know, sometimes God will use you to encourage them. And we began to look last week that we are to both take courage and we are to give courage. And that's the core word here of encouragement or discouragement is courage. And it's an inner strength that helps you. It doesn't always mean that your circumstances have changed yet uh, or that everything is just swell. But it means that you have an inner strength to go through uh, what you're dealing with. And you've got to have that. You know, uh, we talk about the series that I did a couple years ago, Tough Times Don't Last. Well, the, the heart of that is the scripture that says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And so the problem is not so much the problem. The problem is having strength on the inside, his grace and that courage that accompanies that on, on the inside. We looked at the little three letter prefix D-I-S for discourage, and that means that you actually take courage out. And I said this to you last week, maybe a little rough, but I'll say it rough again. How dare any of you take courage out of somebody? And maybe they don't see everything the way you see it yet or whatever. But you know what? None of us have the right to pull the plug and take courage out of another person. Y'all hear me? Instead, we are to encourage. And that prefix, E-N, encourage, it means to put into And we need to do our best to be encouragers and that we go about the business of we want to cheer people up. We want to cheer people on. We want to help people along. We have a little saying, either build up or hush up. I could get rougher with that, but I. Everybody say build up up. or hush up. up. And it's a very important thing. And we've learned counter to that. We've learned to just say what we think and say what we feel and this or that and everything ends up so divided but how about you just reach out to somebody and do your best to encourage them and to put courage and the scripture has much to say about that and uh, not only are we to take courage but we are also to give courage but you cannot give courage well I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit words just by way of review words are the greatest that is the greatest source Words are the greatest source to encourage or discourage somebody. How many of you have ever been discouraged by what somebody said? And sometimes it's almost those nonverbals, you know, but we've got to be very careful uh, because our words are packed with life or death, Amen. gifts or poison, and our words can encourage or they can discourage. Now, as we're endeavoring to encourage people, guess what? You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. So if you don't have real courage on the inside, you're going to come across like the general in war. And, you know, he's afraid and he's trying to cheer on his troops. Come on, we're going to be okay. You know, they're not going to believe him. And so it's important that we have courage on the inside of us 
so that we can encourage other people. Uh, otherwise, the things that we would say to them are going to be empty and cliche and religious and powerless and, uh, and truth be told, irritating. I hate getting religious, cliche, pat answers from people that it doesn't mean a thing to them, really. And it just kind of fits the situation. And so they give you some pat, whatever. You know, the Bible talks about that we are to comfort others with the same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. It's something that's very, very real to us. It's something that we possess and have on the inside. And so that brings me to this. Uh, We are to encourage other people. You cannot give what you do not have. So this is what we're going to talk about today. You must have the ability to encourage yourself. You must have the ability to encourage yourself. The reality is there's not a lot of folks out there looking to encourage you. You know, hunting you down to encourage you today. I pray that as we grow in this, though, that God would put people on your heart and you would seek out to encourage them. And there's a million ways to do that. Especially with technology today. I did this the other day. I put a car in for service and I was waiting and... uh, reading some of my emails and so forth. And the Lord put about four people on my mind just to send them a message. And so I sent them just a message of encouragement, sent a text to one and sent some emails and so forth uh, just to encourage them. And there's ways to do it. And we're going to talk about that as we, as we go along, because there's even some better ways than that. But in some way that we're reaching out, trying to encourage people, but all of us, we need to have the ability. We must be able to encourage ourselves. It is a vital skill church y'all here it is a vital skill that we know how to encourage ourselves and i can i can pretty much tell if people know how to encourage themselves or not and you might surprise yourself that you actually do a pretty good job of it because you know what if you've been coming here a while you're a little bit of a seasoned believer and you learn some things and you start to put those things in practice but i get real concerned about people that i see go through real wide mood swings and they don't recover quickly and that kind of thing But it is very, very important, a vital skill that we learn how to encourage ourselves. And so I ran across this little video of a little girl. Her name is Jessica, and she knew how to uh, encourage herself. And I want to show you real quick this little girl. Maybe you can take some notes from her this morning. Look, I can be a surf. Now my whole house is great. I can do anything good. I like my school. I like anything. I like my dad. I like my cousins. I like my aunts. I like my Allisons. I like my mom. I like my sisters. I like my dad. I like ah. I like my hair. I like my haircuts. I like my pajamas. I like my stuff. I like my rooms. I like my whole house. My whole house is great. I can do anything good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can do anything good. Better than anyone. Better than anyone. Yeah. All right, let's close in prayer. I started doing that. Then Alicia said, get off the counter. Isn't that, isn't that precious though? You must be able to encourage yourself and it is a skill. And since it is a skill, you should all rejoice because that's, it's not just a gift. It's a skill you can learn this and you can improve in it. 
and do a better and better job of encouraging yourself. And it's not just about you. You're blessed so you can be a blessing. You're encouraged so you can be an encouragement to other people. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. We have called 2010 a year of growth. And this is certainly something that we all need to grow in is the ability to encourage ourselves. If you remember David in the, in the Bible, actually back in uh, 1 Samuel, David and his men had been out on a mission. They come back to their city of Ziglag. And when they arrive, they are shocked and saddened. They, they find great trauma. The Amalekites had come in, burned their city, taken their wives and children, and taken all of their livestock. Well, when David and his men arrive, they don't know what's going on. They just know their city's been burned. All their stuff's been burned. Their families are gone. And their livestock is gone. And David is in charge. And as happens sometimes when something goes wrong, then everybody's mad at who's ever in charge. It happens all the time. And uh, so David is not only grieved in himself. And this is a message for a whole other day. He had two wives and they were both gone. He's grieving over at least one of them. Okay. And uh, that's for another day. But, uh, but now they're mad at him somehow. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. How I many you know sometimes when people are really sad and mad. Um, they're just looking for some way to you know, relieve that. But the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. I like it in the King James. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David knew how to encourage himself. The Message Bible says he strengthened himself with his trust in God. The New Living Translation says David found strength in the Lord his God. Um, The same David wrote in Psalm 3, verse 1 through 4. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah, which means you got to think about it. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory, and watch this, and the one who lifts up my head. He's the one who will encourage you. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. And so David... Uh, notice that last part. He cried unto the Lord with his voice and God heard him. So what David did after he saw all this going on and the people were upset, he called for the ephod, which was a priestly garment. And he put on the priestly garment and the Bible says that he inquired of the Lord. He, He sought after God as far as what to do. And this is how David knew how to encourage himself as he made God his source. He went after God. He sought God, and that's what you and I must do. God must be your source. Y'all hear, y'all hear me? God must be your source so that you can encourage yourself. He's the source of encouragement. He's the source of everything. You're not going to get that encouragement from any other place. You're going to have to get it from God. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do this morning, let me share with you. This is what you do to encourage yourself. You need to seek You need to draw near. All right, this part right here is actually written in Hebrew. That's why you can't read it. Okay. You need to seek God. You need to draw near to God. He has to be your source. If you're going to encourage yourself, 
If you're going to encourage yourself in James chapter five, uh, four, rather verse eight, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, draw near to God. And what will he do? He'll draw near to you. And that's when something good will happen in the message Bible. It says, and I like this, it says, say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. What we've got to do is seek the Lord. When you get discouraged, how many of you have gotten discouraged in the last month, two months this week? Since breakfast, you know what, what, you know, there's things that discourage us. You have to have the ability. You have to develop the skill to be able to cheer yourself back up, get your courage back in you so that you're strong on the inside. It doesn't mean that anything really has changed on the outside, but we're okay for it. We're okay for it. We'll get through it. God will help you to do that. But you, you have to treat this as a very valuable possession, the courage and the grace that comes from God. And you have to be able to recover that. And so one of the ways to do it is in the major way is God is your source for encouragement. He's your source for everything. So you're going to have to seek him. You're going to have to draw near to him and listen to me carefully and stop reverting to your crisis mechanisms. Something upsets you. You get down. You're feeling a little whatever. You know, we either eat or watch a lot of TV or we sleep or we fight with people or or you medicate yourself. Somehow you revert back to old stuff even. And drugs and alcohol and different things, you revert back to that. That is not going to encourage you. That's not going to help you. God is your strength. God is your source. He's your salvation. He's your light. He's your life. He's your song. He's your everything. And so why would you look for it in a bottle or on the TV or in the refrigerator or just staying busy or... You know, hide your pillow, uh, hide your head under your pillow. Whatever. Those things, I understand all of those things. So those things are not going to help you. And when we make those things our crisis mechanism, you know, I'm just discouraged. You know what you need to do, dear hearts, is you need to go after God. If you're trying to overcome something or deal with depression or whatever, you're not going to recover from those things using all of those things. You're going to have to go to God. He's the one who gave you life in the first place. And you're still under warranty. Amen. Okay, so take it in. Some of you are under recall, but but he'll get you fixed up. There's a Serbian proverb that I like. I love it, actually. And it says this. Solitude is full of God. Say that. Solitude is full of God. So you need God. I need God. And when we get discouraged, something slows us down. Some, something upsets us. We can feel that courage go out of us. Solitude is full of God. So seek him. Draw near to him. And find him in that way. But solitude is important to it. You're going to have to push away. You're going to have to get away. You're going to have to lay some things down. Um, and I'm going to carve this out for you a little bit better in, in just a moment here. But in seeking him and drawing near to him. You find him and in his presence is fullness of joy. And he's able to help you in this way. How many of you have ever heard of John and Charles Wesley? Okay. Um, Very big in the whole development of Christianity. Their mother, her name was Susanna. John and Charles, by the way, were two of 19 children. Dad was on the road quite a bit. And I understand that. You know, 19 kids. And so here's mom, Susanna, uh, not a big house and 19 
kids. And I can tell you, I don't know anything about the other 17, but I do know this from reading about Charles and John. Strong-willed. Very strong-willed. And what she would do, because she didn't have anywhere to go. She didn't have a babysitter. She didn't have all the stuff, you know, lock them in a room with a nursery monitor or whatever. You know, she didn't, she didn't have all that. And so, you know what she would do? She would take her big apron and she would cover her head with her apron and read her Bible, pray, probably cry, you know, and just get away. And that was her escape time. And her kids knew if mama's under the apron, wind it down. Okay. You don't want her to come out of there yet, you know. And she understood this, that to stay encouraged and to stay strong, that she would, she was going to have to seek and draw near to God. Let me give you real quick here some practical things that go along with this. First of all is, I'm going to call it time out. Everybody say time out. Now, when I was a kid, time out had not yet been invented. Back then, they just beat kids. How many of you grew up with me? Okay. I just, just beat them. I'd come home from school. And my mom would spank me, you know, what's that for? For what you probably did, you know, it's good for your circulation. That's not the time out I'm talking about. This is, you're going to have to step out of time a little bit, either briefly or, you know, whatever time that you can get, whatever is necessary for this. There's all kinds of measurements of time that you would do this in. Sometimes it's just moments. You know, probably where you work, they take smoke breaks and coffee breaks and bathroom breaks and snack breaks. And why not an encouragement break? You know, that you can cash that in, so to speak, so that you can go and encourage yourself. And when you do, you practice actually some spiritual disciplines of solitude and silence, which to me are two of the most effective spiritual disciplines um, unless you get quiet, unless you get by yourself. Actually, let me read you a quote here by, by uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. I really love his ministry. He said, if a man considers his time to be so valuable that he cannot find time to keep quiet and be alone, that man will eventually be of no value to anyone. To spend all of one's time with people is to soon, is to soon have nothing to give to any of them. So there's the importance of you're going to have to take some time out. Here's why. You have to allow your emotions and your mind to settle. Pastor, we want to learn about spiritual things. Hang on. Your mind and your emotions get in the, in the way of most of your spiritual issues. And what you're going to have to do is allow the time. Step away from everything just for a little bit. And allow your emotions and your mind to settle down. And to surrender. And then breathe. Because you live in a body. And when you get all wired up and stressed. You know what? Your stomach starts to eat itself. Your lungs don't work right. Your brain sends out weird signals. And your body starts releasing all kinds of things. That aren't supposed to be released right now. And you end up with a headache and stomach ache. And you're irritable and you're ugly. I mean acting ugly. And, and all of those things going on. And what you've got to do is allow some time for your emotions and your mind to settle and then breathe. Everybody say breathe and just breathe and relax. And the next thing that you're seeking to do then is to sense his presence. Because that's what you need is his presence. But we're all wired up in our mind. And we're just, you know, the other day I had a little situation and 
And I dealt with a situation on the phone. And afterwards, I'll be real honest with you. I'll be vulnerable. I was upset. I was just upset. I didn't let them know, really. Didn't let anybody else know. And I walked in the room and I told my wife that I was. And she she knew when I walked in. And she says, you just need to settle on this. You know, and as I took time and actually applied what I'm going to share with you this morning, I already had the message in the work. So this is not like what I learned this week, but, but I used it this week. Is that you're going to have to settle your mind, your heart, your emotions, surrender, breathe, and sense the presence of God. Discouragement register, registers really strong in your emotions. How many of you know that when you're discouraged, it's hard for you to be chipper around a lot of, a lot of folks? And, and, and the opposite is true with when you're encouraged. When you're encouraged, it shows up. So discouragement and encouragement really register strongly in your emotions. And it affects your emotions. Now, here's the deal. Your will does not have complete control over your emotions. You can't just suddenly will, okay, I'm going to be happy. One of my kids growing up after he'd get in trouble, he'd go, can I, can I be happy now? You have to get in trouble, but... But, you know, it's not so easy for us to shift all of a sudden. So our will does not have complete control over our emotions. But our will does have good control over our actions. What you do and what you don't do. And your actions actually change your feelings. Your actions actually change your emotions. So it's a very important thing that we take the time out and work through this process. The second thing is this time out. And the second thing is call out. Everybody say call out. Oh, come on. Call out. All right. There you go. Um, another word for this pray, pray in James chapter five, verse 13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let me break down that word for you. It means afflicted, ill-treated. So if you're suffering, afflicted, ill-treated, how many of you know, you're probably discouraged. So is any among you suffering, let him what? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing songs. When you're all cheerful, you don't call somebody up and say, hey, could you sing for me? I mean, when you're cheerful, you sing. I mean, you've got a spring in your step and you sing. I whistle all the time. You know, at home in the car, I, whistle, I just whistle all the time. And there have been times where my wife has asked me, you okay? And I said, why? She goes, you're not whistling. I said, it's because you told me to get off the kitchen or off the bathroom counter. I'm discouraged. But we are to call. Uh, let me put this way. When you're rejoicing, sing. But when you're suffering, you're afflicted, you're discouraged, pray. Don't just call the prayer tower and put in a prayer request card. And all those things are good and have their place. But you pray. You call out to God. Let me read this to you from Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven in the message Bible. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Isn't that awesome? So time out, call out, and then thirdly, sort out, sort out. Everybody say sort out. You know, there's at least two good things about problems. How many of you don't like problems? 
I mean, I'm not believing God for problems at all. It's not like God send me some good ones today. You know, no, no, at all. You know, Jesus even had some things to say about that. Deliver us from these things, temptation and evil and so forth. Um, So I'm not looking for problems, but when they come, there are at least two good things that happen when problems come. You ready for this? Number one, it makes you think. You know, when everything's just going just smooth, a lot of times you don't think about things. But when something goes wrong or you've got a problem or a trouble, or you get discouraged. One of the things that happens is it makes you think and, uh, and sort out some things. The other thing it does, and this is our big point today, is this. It makes you seek after God. When you have a problem, you need to stop and think about things. And it should drive you toward God that you, you're seeking after him. As we sorted out, and I posted this this week on Twitter. Yes, I'm a grandpa, and I tweet. I posted this on Twitter and then also on on Facebook this week, and I just want to break it down. I wanted to seed it in your hearts and minds early on. But these are some practical things to help us to sort out. And let me just go over them real quick here. You need to disregard your complaints. Disregard your complaints. Everybody say it disregard your complaints and listen to me listen to me i know you have complaints real deal things stuff happens in life you're not happy with but listen to me whatever you're bitter about you're wrong about whatever you're bitter about you're wrong about god does not bless bitterness hebrews 12:15 says that it's something you've got to guard against because if it takes root It will poison you and it will defile others. Do you know what defile means? To pollute, ruin, and make unfit for blessing. And so whatever you're bitter about. How many of you know there's plenty of things to get bitter about? Whatever you're bitter about, you're wrong about. And so what you need to do is disregard, disregard your complaints. And what am I to do then? Discover gratitude. Discover gratitude. Because at that point, you move the shift from what's wrong to what's right, to what's happening that others are doing or didn't go right for you, to looking what God has done for you. And I want to make you a promise on any given day, there's much more to be grateful about than there is to complain about. Absolutely. And so disregard your complaints, discover gratitude, release trouble, stop holding it to you. It'll bite you. Stop keeping it in a headlock. It's going to keep kicking at you. You're going to have to release your trouble. And the last part here, restate blessings. Restate your blessings. And that means to actively actually not only think about them, but save them. The book of Hebrews also tells us this, that, that, that we are to give thanks. I put it this way. Don't just think your thanks. It is, Hebrews says, the fruit of our lips giving thanks. And I, need, I think you need to say it. So instead of focusing on your complaints and your trouble, which only serve to discourage you, you need to instead discover and rediscover gratitude. Start looking around you and see what all God has done for you. On the worst day of your life, and some of you all have already had the worst day of your life. Isn't that good news? On the worst day of your life. There's still so much that God has done, is doing, and will do for you. Instead of letting these things discourage you, your complaints and your troubles, move on over and discover gratitude and restate your blessings of just how God is good to you. And I'm going to tell you what will happen. And I actually did this this week. 
as soon as you work this out, I'm going to promise you, relief and encouragement come. And can I tell you how long it takes sometimes? Minutes. Just minutes. How many of you know that sometimes we're all all wound up about something that's really not a big deal? Okay. How many of you know somebody that's all wound up about something that's not really a big deal? We get fearful and discouraged about all kinds of things. Years ago, we had a big mailbox. It was, you know, made out of block. It was huge. It's like a half of a refrigerator. And stuccoed and all that kind of stuff. Now we got a, a different mailbox. But it was just huge. And I guess so, if you ran into it, you're lost. But it was there when we moved there. And one night late, I was rolling our trash cans down the driveway, putting them out for the next day. And I roll them down and then the, the little wheels on the, on the concrete driving, it makes kind of you know, noise going down. And I'm wheeling it down. It's just about total dark. And I'm wheeling those trash cans down. And all of a sudden, off to my left, something started coming at me. Coming at me. And I just froze. I thought, I'm going to die. I mean, how many of you know, you just freeze on the inside. It's just like. And then I stopped for a moment and I figured it out. It was the sound of my own wheels reflecting off of that big (laughs) mailbox. You're laughing at me. But some of y'all are freaking out during the day. Staying up at night, eating the bread of sorrows and worries. And it's really no big deal. And you need to sort it out and disregard your complaints. Discover gratitude and see the hand of God is at work in your life. Release your troubles and restate your blessings. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself so that you can stay strong and so that you can be an encouragement to other people. Now, God does not always put everything in your hands, but he does put it within your reach. And if you'll take the time out and call out and sort it out, you're going to find God so right there and ready to help and ready to make the difference and put courage right back into you. Amen. Now, real quick, before we finish. It seems like most of the time we're asking God to do something. God, will you fix this? Will you change that? Will you give me that? Will you take this away? Will you move this? Will you move them? Will you change that? Change them? We're always asking him to do something for us. And you know what I've come to realize? Sometimes God just wants to say something to us. So I want to take just a moment as we finish. Just a moment as we finish this morning to do kind of like we did it last, last week. I want to read to you a couple verses out of Isaiah and also out of John chapter 16. And these are some things I think the Lord would want to say to you today to encourage you. I want you to just kind of just close into yourself. It would be my voice, but let these be God's words to you today to just encourage you. Here's a few things I think he would say to encourage you. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. 
When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my victorious right hand. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you. And have conquered it for you. And these among thousands of other things are some things I think the Lord would say to you. To encourage you. Church, let me say to you. Be encouraged. And learn how to encourage yourself. So you can truly be an encourager of others as well.